You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for me. Fortunately, for children with AIDS, there are physicians who have taken this verse into their hearts and minds. Join me at the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Mark Klein. Dr. Klein is a professor of pediatrics at the Baylor College of Medicine and Texas Children's Hospital. He is chief of retrovirology and president of the Baylor International Pediatric AIDS Initiative. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Klein. Today, as you may have guessed, we are discussing pediatric AIDS. I wonder if, as a beginning opening remark, you could give us a brief overview of the evolution of the diagnosis and treatment of pediatric AIDS, especially in the last decade. Sure. Thank you very much. Um, Well, there have been vast changes in pediatric AIDS in the United States, as most physicians are aware. Um, There were were a large number of HIV-infected children born in the United States in the latter half of the 1980s and the first half of the 1990s. And then with the advent of highly active antiretroviral therapy, we had an effective strategy for preventing transmission of HIV from mothers to babies, and fewer infants have been born with HIV in in the United States today. In fact, even large centers rarely see newly infected infants. Very few infants are being born with HIV. And for those children who have HIV infection, highly active antiretroviral therapy has restored health as uh, it has the ability to nearly totally suppress the ability of HIV to replicate or reproduce in the body. As a consequence, the virus doesn't damage the immune system. When the immune system stays healthy, other vital organs stay healthy, and, and the infants and children are restored to health and live long and full lives. And so um, the face of pediatric AIDS in the United States really has changed. Fewer children being born with the infection, and those who do have the infection live very healthy and very full lives. So there really has been a change in the epidemiology. What age ranges now do you see in children who have been infected with AIDS, and have the modes of transmission changed in view of the fact that mothers are now being treated to prevent transmission to their infants? Well, as pediatricians, I think we see probably more HIV-infected adolescents at this point than we do infants and and young children. Uh, This is a reversal of the situation that we had in the past where almost all of the infections that we saw were among infants born to HIV-infected mothers. Now most of the new patients we see are adolescents who are infected through adult behaviors, either sexually or through IV drug use. Children with AIDS have been called victims. How do you respond to that? Well, I I don't use the term victim. Um, I think victim has certain connotations that probably are not exactly correct. Um, Anyone who has HIV doesn't have it by intent. It's not a voluntary act or an intentional act to become HIV infected. And so I think we have to steer clear of the use of the word victim or attaching any particular judgments to how people become infected with HIV. We know that uh, infants who are infected perinatally by their mothers have a somewhat different disease course than do older uh, adolescents and adults who are, who are infected in different ways. 
And so the route of transmission does have some implications for treatment in disease course, but beyond that, is largely irrelevant. Would you be a little bit more specific as to the differences in the course prognosis of children infected prenatally and those that acquire the disease later? Well, in general, um, because HIV is attacking an immature immune system in the case of an infant, an immune system that has not already come in contact with a variety of pathogens that one is likely to encounter over the course of one's life, the virus does relatively more damage relatively earlier. And it's been observed that the onset of AIDS, uh, in-stage disease, is more rapid in infants and young children than it is in older children or adults. And, uh, And, of course, the rate of death is higher early on among infants and young children. In certain populations, particularly African populations of children, it's been observed that half of all children born with HIV actually will die without therapy before the age of two years. Whereas in adults who are infected with HIV, we expect to see a much longer latent period where the adult maintains good health before the onset of AIDS and certainly before death were to occur. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and we are speaking with Dr. Mark Klein, professor of pediatrics at the Baylor College of Medicine and Texas Children's Hospital. He is chief of retrovirology, and he is also the president of the Baylor International Pediatrics AIDS Initiative. With the current treatment that's been so successful, how many new cases of AIDS are we still seeing per year, and what is the current incidence in the United States? Well, we think that the uh, the prevalence of HIV in the United States hasn't changed much over the past few years, and there are various estimates, but somewhere around 1 million individuals in the United States are thought to be infected with uh, with HIV. The precise figure among children is not really clear. Um, HIV is not reportable in every state. Uh, we have a better handle on the number of AIDS cases. Looking specifically at the number of new AIDS cases among children in the United States, um, in 1992 there were nearly 1,000 new reported AIDS cases among children. And by 2001, 2002, that had dropped to well below 100 where it has stayed. So today, um, we don't have precise figures, but we know that there are far fewer than 100 children born or rather developing AIDS in the United States each year, which means that um, even large centers might see one or two such children in a year. That's remarkable. It really is. It's a a real public health success story, and again, it's a consequence of highly active antiretroviral therapy given to pregnant women, these powerful combinations of antiretroviral drugs given to HIV-infected pregnant women that can drive down the virus in the blood and in cervical vaginal secretions and can nearly guarantee that the infants born to these women will be HIV uninfected. And then for those children who who are infected or who do acquire HIV infection, we can give the same combinations of drugs to those children and either restore them to health or prevent them from developing AIDS. Let's talk a moment about the psychological impact on both the family and the child when the diagnosis of HIV or AIDS is made? 
Well, this is a disease unlike almost any other. Um, it, it, re- it truly is a family disease. When we diagnose a child with HIV infection, almost invariably there is an HIV-infected mother, generally an HIV-infected father. There may be older children who are HIV-infected who have been yet to be diagnosed. And so you really, uh, the diagnosis really has implications for the entire family. And uh, needless to say, this is a devastating diagnosis for many families. Many of the families that are affected are mired in poverty. There often are other family and, and social issues. Uh, there sometimes is drug abuse in the family. There may be family violence involved. And so in many cases, these families are not well prepared this additional challenge. Bringing a child into care, bringing the whole family into care, getting them onto treatment effectively, maintaining them on treatment is a real challenge, not just medically, but also socially. Are there support groups available? There are. These have been, um, these have been implemented in various ways in, in various places, but uh, we provide peer support to the children as well as to the parents. In our own center here, we do this in a variety of ways. We have group meetings. We uh, actually have developed educational materials, both written and videotaped materials, um, where children and families actually talk about uh, the diagnosis of HIV and how they've come to cope with it. We have experienced counselors who work with the families. So on a number of levels, we do work with the families and and. I guess one of the things that has surprised me over the years in taking care of a lot of children and families with HIV is how well people ultimately come to terms with the diagnosis. Of course, things are easier today than they were a decade ago when we really didn't have effective therapies. Now that we have effective therapies, we really can offer hope to the families because we we have real medications that can uh, maintain the health of the whole family. And that has made a huge difference in, t- in terms of, of how people cope with the diagnosis. Are there any families that stand out in your mind as they've handled the diagnosis as well as possible, responded to treatment, complied? You know, the families that you're truly proud of and might say, this is an exemplary family. Yeah, I have a hundred of them. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, again, it, it's, it's a remarkable thing. Um, in the early days when I was taking care of children with HIV, I was often asked how I managed to do it. And people said, oh, you know, the families must be so difficult. Aren't, aren't you? I think the image was that the, that the parents were probably drug users. Maybe the mother was a prostitute or something. But uh, that's generally not the case. These are, these are Poor people, by and large, because HIV-AIDS, unfortunately, has always disproportionately affected people who live in poverty, but um, they're good people, and they want the same things for their children as uh, anyone does. Um, They want their children to be well and to thrive and have opportunities in life, and these parents will go the extra mile for their children just like you and I will go the extra mile for ours. And, um, and so I have a hundred families like that that are just remarkable success stories, people who, under the most unfavorable circumstances, of poverty, very limited resources, very few coping skills have come to terms with this diagnosis and have not just survived but thrived. 
I have families, uh, one in particular that comes to mind is a mother-daughter who literally were on their deathbeds in 1996 when highly active antiretroviral therapy became available. And they went on to therapy at exactly the same time, and both of them are alive and perfectly well today. The mother works full-time. Uh, the little girl is now a teenager and uh, making good grades in school and just doing very, very well. You really have a lot of heroes that you have taken care of and really given a new chance at life. Our time has really gone so quickly, and I just want to thank you so much. I feel I've been privileged to have you as our guest. We have been discussing AIDS in the pediatric population. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xmreachmd.com. Thank you for listening.